Hey, everybody. I want to welcome you again to the Before You Quit podcast, where we want to bring courage and perspective when serving gets hard. And man, does it get hard sometimes. That is why we do what we do on these podcast episodes. My name is Mitch Schultz. I'm your host, and I'm also the director of a ministry called Fruitful Vine Ministry. Well, the topic I, I want to cover today comes out of a, a shepherding heart, a pastor's heart. Uh, it comes out of a parent's heart. It comes out of a heart of someone who is deeply committed to uh, the health of families. But one of the things I've, I've seen uh, through the years is that parents are often ill-equipped for the challenges that come when their children become adults. Uh, and increasingly, I'm having conversation with friends whose adult children are either struggling with their faith uh, or they are struggling in their relationship with their parents, maybe siblings, extended family. And this can be deeply disenchanting for, for parents, especially when they feel they have done everything by the book in raising their son or daughter and, and, and seeing that the outcome is, is not what they hoped for, expected, or assumed. Well, not long ago, I picked up a book by Margie Tripp uh, called It's Not Too Late, Restoring Broken Relationships with Teenage and Adult Children. And uh, this book significantly helped me understand better what parents need to know and also what they need to do in their relationship with adult children uh, who might have walked away uh, from their faith or struggling with their faith or even uh, uh, where there's severed relationships, which sometimes come with that or, or may be separate from that. Uh, I, I'm, I'm interviewing uh, Dr. Ted and his wife, uh, Margie Tripp. She's the one who wrote the book. He uh, has collaborated with it. Uh, they have been married for 53 years and ministered together in, in just amazing ways. Ted has served as a senior pastor for 32 years. Margie has served in children's ministry, women's ministry, uh, Bible studies, music ministry. And Ted is the author of a book that I read years ago called Shepherding a Child's Heart. And together they've written a, a companion to that book uh, entitled Instructing a Child's Heart. Uh, they have three adult children uh, who are married to spouses that Ted and Margie regard as their own children. And they have nine grandchildren as well. Awesome. And they, they love spending time with their family. Uh, so I cannot wait for you to, to meet them and to uh, enter into this very important conversation. All right. Well, I have the privilege of uh, talking to Ted and, and Margie Tripp. Uh, how are you both doing today? We're doing well. Doing Thanks. very well. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Wonderful. So much to be thankful for. Yeah, I know. I know we had to put this off for a week because Margie, you had a tooth abscess. So I'm glad. To, glad you're doing better. You're not. You're not holding your mouth right now. So I assume you're. No, I'm not. I'm doing well. Well, we're going to have Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to we're going to talk uh, a lot about a book that that uh, you both uh, wrote, and I know that um, you've also written other books and. Uh, Ted, I don't know if you're teased much. I don't know if your brother's more famous than you are, or if you guys argue about that. But your brother I'm Paul sure he's is also more famous than I am. He's written so many more books yeah, than I yeah. have. Great writer. Yeah. Well, my uh, my daughter was telling me the other day that uh, your brother's devotional is one of the her favorite devotionals. So uh, that's uh, Paul just told me a couple weeks ago. Uh, he was visiting us. Uh, and he said that uh, they've sold over a million copies of that in English. It's been translated into a lot of different languages. Oh, that's amazing. So it's been really very well received. I think yeah. the nice thing about the devotionals, it's one page, it's gospel centered. Yeah. And uh, 
you know, it deals with the heart. Yeah. Well, tell yeah, that's, yeah, that's uh, so encouraging. Um, yeah. Tell us a little, just briefly, a little about, about yourselves, uh, what you have done, uh, what you do. Well, I pastored for 32 years and uh, uh, is in the course of that, that I did my DMIN program at Westminster and wrote the book, wrote as my DMIN project, the book that became Shepherding a Child's Heart. And uh, when that book took off, 25 years ago, it really changed our ministry in a lot of ways. But uh, uh, I've been retired since 2012, and we still do a lot of itinerant ministry uh, in the U.S. and other parts of the world. Margie uh, has been very involved in uh, in uh, Christian education and counseling, and uh, I'll let her talk about things she's done. I'm a teacher and uh school administrator, Christian school administrator for many years, and uh, uh, really, as a result of being a pastor's wife, have ended up doing a lot of counseling and preparing Bible studies and things of that nature. She did some study, uh, graduate study at uh, Westminster in in biblical counseling. Uh, Well, it's been 15 years ago or so, yeah. Longer. (laughs) <laughs> Wonderful. What a legacy. Well, what, I always love to ask people what, uh, especially, you know, in a later season in life, what matters to you the most? What drives you? How, how would you answer that question? Well, I would say certainly uh, God is at the heart of our lives, at the heart of our existence. It's what we, it's what we live for. It's- uh, yeah. So, uh, Ted, when you wrote um, Shepherding Your Child's Heart, that was a couple decades ago. What, uh, why did you write that? And, and maybe as we transition here, how do you feel like that kind of uh, set the stage or is a backdrop for this book that you uh, that you both wrote. I know, Margie, you, you, Margie, your name's Margie. on this book, but I know you both uh, collaborated together in it. Well, uh, uh, Margie really had a passion for this uh, topic, and uh, uh, she, uh, I think, uh, had so many counseling situations where she was mm. counseling people with these issues. That really is what uh, spawned the book. But uh, in, in, when writing Shepherding, I was, uh, uh, you know, we were involved in ministry, a lot of kids in our church, a lot of kids in our ministry, because we had a Christian school, we were raising three kids. And Margie and I used to talk early on with our children about we got to get under the skin, we had a sense we can get external compliance, but we're not really getting to the heart. Mm-hmm. And then, as I did my DMED project, uh, our studies at Westminster, I realized the Bible's term for that is the heart. Mm. And that just opened up a lot of things. And so I think shepherding a child's heart is a real paradigm shift for most people from controlling and constraining and managing to nurture. Mm. And I, I think that's, uh, and, and that really is the common thread, I think, with the book uh, it's, that Margie wrote, It's Not Too Late, is that, it, that uh, idea of cultivating relationship. Uh, so I think they, they do really flow kind of in a stream uh, with each other, uh, you know, uh, yeah. I think the stuff we thought through with the book we wrote together and instructing a child's heart also had that same focus on nurture. So I think, I think that's a uh, bit of theme for us. In yeah, and and it would make sense that as you 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 know you wrote that book when you're younger and got old, you've been tracking people who you know have been raising children, and now those children are adults. 
Um, but what, what burdens you the most about families? I know that's a very broad question, but since you wrote that book, as you look across the church or the landscape, what's, what's your heartbeat? What, uh, Oh, I think there's so many things. I think for hmm. one thing, I think that, uh, uh, many times parents are not intentional enough with the calling God has given us as parents to, uh, focus on our children, our family, to show our kids God's glory. Uh, to be that one generation, in the words of Psalm 145, that's committing the works of God to the next generation. Mm. Uh, and I think the challenge is, of course, in our culture, we raised kids uh, when the phone was attached to the wall. <laughs> you know, you called a, a place hoping the person you wanted to talk to was at the place you called. Yeah. Of yeah. course, change now with this internet, uh, interconnected world, and uh, the challenges for families of dealing with the internet and uh, all the uh, the gaming devices and phones and all the really baneful influences that are so readily at hand for our children is really makes very uh, a lot of challenges for young people that we didn't face when we yeah. were raising our kids. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that that's so true. Uh, well, let's go. Let's go ahead and jump in and, and start talking about the book. It's it's not too late. And Margie, maybe you could uh, just share what's behind that title. Why did you write the book? Uh, the the subtitles: Restoring Broken Relationships with Teenage and Adult Children. Well, it really is a, a response to parents saying so often, "What if it's too late?" Mm. Or it's too late for, for me. It's too, wow. our, our family is broken and we don't know how to fix it. And uh, so lots of conversations with discouraged parents at seminars and, and long counseling sessions with families who were really in despair over broken uh, relationships with their children are, uh, are really behind the title of the book and the reason for the book, because we, uh, having spent so much time working with um, child rearing and uh, recognizing that someday people are going to say, I tried what you said and it didn't work. Mm -hmm. And how are we going to answer that question? And I think uh, that really uh, helped us to recognize that we need to, uh, we need to help families understand that the the energy behind shepherding a, ch a child's heart is not to get our children saved mm. we want to we want to do what god has called us to do we want to provide the best shaping influences that we can provide and there is no assurance in god's word that our parenting is going to achieve results because salvation is not of parents it's of the lord yeah. and so uh, so we began to think through where is this going? And then, of course, uh, uh, facing the challenges of child rearing uh, in our own lives with our own children, what their needs were and the challenges that we came up against in our parenting of them as they became adults. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the title is full of hope. And, and I'm sure as you as parents have come to you through the years and shared uh, you, you talk, you know, in the book about parents being bewildered and confused. Uh, it, it's disillusioning for a lot of parents to feel like they followed Christ as you have followed Christ. They, uh, 
you know, they were committed. And then suddenly when they get older, it's it, it, so I, I think it's logical for the for them to feel like, you know, hey, this this is too late. There's nothing we can do. Uh, so that that title is full of hope. And I, I love the title. Um, you, you talk about I love this phrase that you use in the book, disarming rebellion, disarming the rebellion. Um, what, what's behind that? Well, I, I think children really choose uh, what they're going to worship. Sure. Uh, disarming, disarming rebellion is, is really a spiritual journey where as parents, we're, we want to, we're striving uh, to remove our children's sense of justification mm. uh, against us and our failures as parents so that our children are left with only uh, their resistance to God. Mm. You know, I think there's kind of a tension here, Mitch, with, uh, on the one hand, we don't want to be saying to parents, if your kids are rebellious, it's your fault. Because uh, th that's not always the case. I mean, children can be rebellious. They can, they can rebel against the very best parenting influences. But the fact is that we are all flawed people. And because we sin and we sin against our children, it's not hard for our children to find justifications for their rebellion in their, mm -hmm. you know, in their relationship with us. So uh, there's a tension there. We don't want parents to feel like if you're, we're saying if you're, kids are, the march is saying if your kids are rebellious it's because you didn't get it right but by the same token we recognize that that rebellion often finds that it's like a, a a barn swallow trying to find a place to light and it lights on our parental failures the things mm -hmm. we've done or said that were wrong or inappropriate or unguarded or even habits of life that we were blind to become the justifications that our children use against us. Yeah, really by disarming rebellion what we're getting at is we want to we want to acknowledge our failures because mm. our fail acknowledging our failures is more powerful and influential than defending our our best efforts. Yeah. So the disarming process is really an attempt to get us out of the way so that the our children are confronted with yeah. who God is, their relationship with God. And so that disarming process really allows the power and grace of the gospel uh, to invade our children rather than just having it be about the broken relationship. And, and we, and, and you talk about this too in the book, you, you talk about how we get in the way of that. Uh, how do we get in the way of that? Oh, we, we get in the way of, of that uh, by our defensiveness is a, is a huge issue because we, we, so, uh, we so much want to uh, defend all of our good effort, our good intentions. Yeah. Yeah. We, want to, we want to have our children understand and appreciate what it's been like for us to be parents and that we be, uh, and so that very much gets in the way of acknowledging our failures so that we can uh, get beyond that and have it be about repairing relationship rather than just rehashing the past. You know, I think uh, just an observation, Mitch, is we've, uh, as counsel people with this paradigm that Margie's developed, uh, we found some people are able to get on board with that idea. I will not defend myself and I'm willing to actually facilitate the process of my children telling me ways that they have felt hurt by me or wronged by me. And so hard for a parent not to say, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but here's what I was trying to accomplish. Yeah. Because as soon yeah. as you, but you've swept it away and to just 
not defend yourself and say, I, I understand what you're saying. I think what you're telling me is this. And, you know, actually putting it in your words opens the door and it takes you out of the way. And what we've found is that some parents are just unwilling to do that or unable to do that. Well, they're, uh, they have too much difficulty getting beyond the pain and agony that yeah. they're experiencing. Yeah. And so uh, I would say that's another issue that gets in the way of this disarming mm. process mm -hmm. is that getting over the personal pain, not taking it personally, uh, becomes a huge uh, problem. Seeing really my child's uh, rebellion and the resulting brokenness in our relationship has more to do and more importantly has to do with their relationship with God than with me. It is yeah. painful, yes, agonizing. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I'm, I, I remember uh, the, the Sean McDowell shares how he went through a stage in university where he was questioning everything. And when he shared that with his dad, his dad said, that's wonderful. Go for it. And, you know, I mean, that, that's, that, that's an ideal reaction. Most parents don't mm -hmm. react that way. The tendency is to emotionally react. And, and uh, so oftentimes that, that first conversation can set the tone. And, uh, but again, we are, as you, as you shared, we are sinners and we're going to mess up on how we react. And, you know, I think there's opportunities later to circle back and even apologize for the reaction and, and to express the desire to adapt and to get out of the way, which, which is not easy. Um, so even well, if parents react poorly at first, uh, you know, grace allows you to come back and, and revisit those conversations. I think it's too why spiritual preparation is so essential mm. for this reconciliation process. You can't do the disarming process because our our sinful self-indulgence yeah. yeah. <laughs> too quickly gets in the way if if we're going after our children uh, out uh, with the energy that's beside behind our own feelings and our own heartbreak, then uh, then we're going to do more damage than good. So spiritual yeah. preparation just uh, paramount. Yeah. yeah, I think that reaction too uh, is it, it, it is multifaceted. On one hand, uh, when we feel hurt by our children, we uh, we we're personalizing their response, you know, and we really are making it about us. That's why yeah. we have that emotional reaction against them. But I think also sometimes it's disappointment in God. It, we've had this idea: if I get it right, my kids are going to turn out right, and I've worked so hard to be a godly parent who is intentional and thoughtful, and I've I've sought to do the things before the Lord. And, and, and yet look at the result. And, you know, there's some of that is disappointment in God too, that's behind yeah. that emotional yeah. response. And we've got to be able to step back from that and recognize, you know, God's in control and he's good and he's wise and we can trust him even with this difficult place where we find ourselves with our kids. Yeah. Yeah. I, I often will tell parents, you're not responsible for their soul. Uh, that that's the Holy Spirit's and, and getting to that place, it takes takes time, discipleship, uh, encouragement from others, uh, spiritual maturity. It's very humbling to realize yeah. that yeah. I'm not able to save my children. <laughs> I can't yeah. I can't reach inside and flip a switch and make them trust Jesus. <laughs> I'm really shut up to the work of of God. It's God who's responsible for their yeah. soul. Yeah. yeah. 
You, uh, you talk about uh, some of the things that children resist is, um, is our use of the law and in, in raising them. Uh, expand on that a little bit. And that, that probably ties your two books together, I assume, doesn't it? Well, obviously, as Ted has said, there's more reason why children, why we have broken relationships with our children. And, and it's so important for us to understand that sometimes the most diligent and careful parenting can't curb the rebellious bend of our children's hearts. But there is one primary reason, I believe, uh, for broken relationships. Parents, uh, as parents, we, we sometimes mix together loving God and trying so hard to do the right thing uh, and our own struggles get in the way. For mm-hmm. for instance, we might be people who have anger issues or, or we have a legalistic view of the Christian faith. And that gets in the way and provides really justification for our in, in our children's minds for their rebellion. None of that excuses rebellion, but family life so easily can produce conditions uh, where rebellion takes root in our children's mm. hearts. Mm. So when parents use the law of God, which we want to do to instruct and warn and motivate and encourage our children to do what is good and to, and to not do what they shouldn't do, but then we respond to their failure in ungodly ways, as I've mm. already suggested with everything from anger to legalism, our children are going to resist yeah. It leaves them confused and uncertain about, about what our agenda is. So as a parent, when I say, when I was your age, if I lied to my dad, I would have been tanned within an inch of my life. You better straighten up and fly right <laughs> if you value your backside. Those kinds of things don't smack of all of the precious instruction that we bring to them from God's word. So I, I think that the law, when, when we use the law to bring instruction uh, and correction and discipline to our children, and there's no gospel attached, there's no loving, the same kind of loving Heavenly Father image that we have from, uh, from God when we fail, when there's none of that in the mix. Uh, our children are going to resist. Yeah. You know, one of the ways we talked about this sometimes mm-hmm. is when we say to our kids, you know, here's what God says you should do and you need to do it. And if, if you're serious about it, you can do this and, you know, so forth. That kind of approach is really a denial of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Rather than saying to them, here's what God calls us to. There is grace in Christ. There's enablement in Christ. Jesus was made like us in every way so that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest. He suffered when he was tempted. He's able to help us in our temptation. There's a world of difference between uh, pointing them to their own resources and pointing them to Christ. What, what is yeah. the role? What is the role uh, of the parents with adult children? Uh, so, so just to bring some some balance here to that in in admonishing sinful behavior, or does the parent have that role in that? Yes, certainly. Certainly, Certainly, I think that uh, parents should uh, admonish, uh, but uh, love and admonishment are are not enemies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We we tend to think that uh, when we're admonishing that that uh, means that there's there's no compassion or kindness or gentleness or love. And, Mm -hmm. And the fact is, admonishment is for the sake of 
admonishment is for the sake of, for the good, the blessing of, of uh, our children or, or for anyone that we're involved with. I mean, even di- discipline, you know, it's interesting in uh, Hebrews 12, 5, have you forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons? My son, don't despise the Lord's discipline because the Lord disciplines those whom he loves, just like a father disciplines the child he delights in. Now, with adult children, we're not disciplining them. But in right. the sense, we could flatten that out. The admonitions and the the warnings that we bring are not, they're, they're an expression of love. And we need to bring them in very loving and gracious ways. Yeah, so the tone, the tone and the words that you use are, are so important. I, I think of that, I forget where it is, that verse in Ephesians, to admonish with all wisdom. It takes unbelievable wisdom to right. admonish our, our family members or our children. And even, you know, even as a pastor, I pastored for 34 years, and if someone you know, was living uh, in rebellion in the church— uh, and the elders would meet with them. Uh, the, I, I, I agree with you so much that the, the goal, it, it, if love is motivating it, if the gospel's behind it, driving it, it's going to come out as deep compassion, deep love. But it can come out as, uh, you know, you've disappointed us, and I'm going to remind right. you that what you're doing is wrong. And uh, so, yeah, yeah that uh, I, I was curious about that balance there, because I think sometimes we can go to the extreme of being so passive that it it it, it conveys to the adult child that, well, mom and dad don't care. And, you know, they're fine with right. Right. living. And- yeah, I, I think I think that if we could think of it this way, uh, when we bring admonishment, we're really being an ally of the person who we're admonishing, because an ally is someone who comes alongside. They come alongside for the purpose uh, to strengthen and to support Mm. the person that they're admonishing. And that's really an essential element of biblical admonishment. Yeah, and that disarms the rebellion. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... No, I was going to say, you're right, that your your attitude and manner and tone uh, is so important and it's so important that it not just be, you know, we're, uh, we're crafting a, resp- a way of responding because we want to make our response work. You know, I mean, we can be hypocritical about tone and our manner of approach where it just becomes part of the, uh, of the uh, way of accomplishing my objectives. Mm-hmm. Or we can be truly humble in coming to our children uh, it, you know, like uh, Galatians 6 says, boy, you who are spiritual, restore such a one, but consider yourself, lest you also be tempted. So you restore in gentleness. So it's gentleness in the Galatians 6, but also humility, because uh, consider yourself, lest you be tempted. Because we have to recognize there's no way that my that my kids sin that I am totally unfamiliar with. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I also am a sinner. And so I don't come along side them as someone, uh, you know, who is sinless. And therefore I can give weight to what I'm saying to them because I got it together, but I'm rather coming alongside them with humility, with a spirit of gentleness. But I see that they've, they're caught in a trespass as, as it says uh, in Galatians six. And so the condition is a person's caught. My ministry is I want to restore them. And the way of doing it is with gentleness and humility. Yeah. Sadly, sadly, I, I think that. we often think of it as 
admonishment as getting it off your chest, telling mm. someone off. And that's really not a biblical view of admonishment at all. Admonishment is always for the benefit of the person who we're bringing the admonishment to. We're bringing help to them. We're being their ally. But in our culture, I think when we, we uh, equate an admonishment with telling someone off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love that. And you you talk about, I love this part of the importance of you changing first. Um, and you give two ways to do this. And I'll have you reflect on this. Uh, first of all, your own view of God's discipline of you as a child. So reflecting on that. And then secondly, recognize that you're a tangible representative of God uh, to your children. Uh, you know, when you mention about allying with your with your children, adult children, you're, you're in a sense allying with the Holy Spirit. You're not taking the place of the Holy Spirit, but you're an agent uh, and the Holy Spirit can work through you or often does. I mean, he uses the body to uh, work and, you know, to grow the, the individuals within the body. Well, it's, I think that, uh, that this importance of uh, seeing ourselves as needing to change before we approach our children is, uh, is very freeing. And it's mm -hmm. freeing because change in me is something that I can expect because of God's grace. I can't change my children, can't change my spouse, I can't change anyone else. But I can know, I can know a renewed mind myself. That's really the remedy of uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I love what comes next. Then you uh, will, uh, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The fact is that when I change, then that change, the, the transformation that takes place in me provides a foundation for approaching my child with reconciliation, with, with disarming. You asked about the, uh, the two means, uh, the two ways to do this. First of all, I think that often we don't think about uh, in our relationship with our children or with anyone else, we don't think about God's discipline of us and helping uh, that helps us. If we think about the way God disciplines us, that helps us to bring admonition and discipline and correction to others. Uh, I think Ted mentioned Hebrews 12 earlier, and it really describes God's discipline of us. God's discipline of us as his children is, has a wonderful uh, goal. It's to make us holy. Mm -hmm. It's to conform us to the image of Christ. When we fail, God isn't mad at us. Even if we have to reap what we've sown, it's, all, it's only to underscore God's goodness. And, and really the sadness and destruction of sin. So our response to our own sins and, these, and the sins of others often dis displays for us what we truly believe about God's discipline of us. So thinking about, first of all, I think thinking about God's discipline of us and his purpose to make us holy provides a paradigm, a model for us to think about how uh, what should be the energy behind me approaching my children yeah, and others? I, I love that. Yes. I didn't. I didn't have this as a question here, but Ted, I wonder. I mean, this is all very practical. I don't think it's it's just theoretical. Uh, but what would be an example of of let's say an adult 
a child coming to you as parents and, and maybe for the first time saying, uh, you know, I, I don't believe the gospel anymore, or uh, I'm living, you know, in some kind of lifestyle or, or whatever. How, what is, give an example of, of uh, how that conversation would look as a response by the parents where from the very beginning, there's a disarming sort of uh, uh, display. Yeah, I think one of the things I would want to do as a parent would be to ask a lot of questions and to do a lot of listening. And then also to speak back in my own words what I've heard the child say. Mm. Because uh, when, you, when you can do that, when I can put his words in my words and say, I think this is what you're saying, and I can put it in my words, and he says, yes, that's what I'm saying, then at least he knows I've understood him. That's really foundational. And, and also responding by asking questions and understanding gives me time to process so I'm not reacting out of my hurt and disappointment, uh, yeah, yeah. but I'm, I'm, I'm responding. Then I have a chance to get my bearings, to get oriented and say, okay. And I'm thinking, I want to be responding to this child in a way that moves him toward God. And so I don't want to be in the way of that process. I don't want to be offensive or hurtful in the ways I respond. I want to respond with grace and kindness and compassion because ultimately I want to see Christ have his work in this kid. So I think that that uh, begins to even changes the approach to the conversation. I think it's certainly appropriate for us as parents to express, well, I'm concerned about you. I think, you know, this, you know, the fact that you don't believe doesn't change the reality that God is Mm. and that you are one day going to stand before God and that you have an immortal soul. Uh, you will you will live eternally, either in the presence of God or in the agony of hell. As a parent, I love you, and and uh, you surely wouldn't ask me yeah. not to talk yeah. to you out of that truth because I profoundly believe it. And how can mm-hmm. I love you and believe that and not say to you, you've put yourself in a place of danger? Yeah, yeah. So, and you you yeah. actually uh, towards the end of the book, uh, you, you actually give practical suggestions on how to have those conversations. So I would encourage people when they get the book to. Uh, to look through those. I, I think they're excellent. Um, Margie, a lot of times, um, you know, there's, there's two, there's, there's the rebellion that happens maybe spiritually where the parent sees their, their child, adult child walking away from the Lord. The, 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 what's compounded is when there's a broken relationship with the parents. Uh, sometimes it's because of their reaction. Sometimes it's just because there's a lot of history or, uh, you know, uh, family of origin might be broken, but how, how would you uh, encourage a parent to, if there is a severed relationship to begin to repair that or to see a disarming happening there? Because I think having, you know, a, a good relationship with your kids is so important and to not write them off or give up on them. Certainly. I think for a parent to, if their child comes to them and says, you know, I, uh, there's a problem and I, I want to, uh, I want to, I want you to know where I am is for mm-hmm. the parent to say, it's obvious you've gone on a journey. Mm. <laughs> you've, you've come to some conclusions that, uh, that we haven't been privy to that we haven't, uh, interacted with or understood. And, and we would like to go on that journey with you. <laughs> We'd yeah. like to understand where you've come from and, and where you see yourself going. 
because we love you. Mm. We're committed to you. And regardless of the choices that you make, our commitment to you will never change because you're a child. We love you. And I, so I think that that has to be the foundation for uh, parents interacting uh, with a broken relationship. If the, if the relationship is broken to the point where the child it refuses interaction, then I, I believe the parent needs to have this attitude that I'm not gonna give up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to, at every opportunity, I'm going to remember special events. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to remember birthdays, anniversaries, uh, uh, children's, uh, grandchildren's birthdays. I'm going to take every opportunity to extend mm. myself. And that's really, that's really at the heart of it. I want to extend myself as one who is all in, in terms of commitment to this yeah, person. I love that. What, what do you do when, what do you do when a mom, for example, comes to you and the outcome has not been good? Uh, I, I really, think we have to uh, think about this in, in a new way. Rather than concluding that all of my efforts have failed, everything has been in vain, we could remember God's promises and we could conclude it hasn't worked yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are, and, and, and I have reasons for that optimism. I think that there, there are three that come to my mind. First, we're never at the place where our work has been in, in vain. We're on a journey with mm -hmm. our child. And as long as your children are breathing, there is hope for them. Yeah, so I mean, we want to continue to love them. We want to reach out to them. We want to, at every opportunity, acknowledge our sin uh, and uh, have humility. And uh, we want to look for all the relationship building opportunities we can. Secondly, success in the reconciliation process is not measured by results from our efforts. That's that is such so an important yeah. thing for parents to get a hold of. Giving up, and, and this, this is hard. This is a very hard truth, but giving up is a sign that we're hoping in our own efforts mm -hmm. rather than the work of God's spirit. And I think that is, is an essential element of for grieving parents. It's so easy to give up. But when I'm tempted to give up, I've, uh, I've left the, the work of the Spirit of God out of the equation. And I need to get the work of the Spirit of God back in the equation. Third, the third uh, reason for optimism is that in God's agenda, his purpose is not only for our children. This is not only about restoring our children. It's, all, it's also that God is working in us. He's humbling us. Mm. He's making us like Christ. His agenda for us as his children is to make us holy. And he's always at work doing that. And even in this broken difficult situation. That's what God's at work doing. We need to, we need to give in to that work of the spirit of God yeah, in us. So good. Yeah. And, and not letting that rob you of your own joy of knowing Christ. And that's right. uh, I mean, this is a bad way to put it, but we don't want them to have that much control over us where it, sure. it robs a, us. That's a great of, way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think well, you know, it's like any other thing, Mitch. Uh, we can make the good things of life into idols, mm. 
So having our children turn out well and love God and have useful lives, that I can want that. I mean, those are good things to desire, but I can want that in a way that is idolatrous and in a way that says, if I can't have that, even God won't be a comfort to me. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And at that point, I've made an idol of it. And, and it has become an end in itself rather than an end that terminates on God. So I've got to be able to say in the midst of my heartbreak, God is enough for me. Knowing God is enough. And if God's, if God's determined not to give me the desire of my heart with respect to this child, I will still know God and God will still be God and he will be precious to me and I will walk with him and love him and I'll beseech him every day for this child. Mm. But ultimately, I will yield that child to him and I'm going to love God and know God regardless. I think we have to remember that we're, we're complete in Christ. As his children, we're complete in him. And when we're complete in him, the people and circumstances in our world are not what drive us. They're not what explain us. Uh, we're not controlled by them. When we, when, we're, when we say, you make me so mad, mm -hmm. we're giving others control over yeah. us. But when we're when we recognize we're complete in Christ, He is for us everything we need. And of course, the the list in Scripture is never ending. He's our shepherd, our strong tower, our friend, our brother, our our provider, our defender. There, the list is never ending. When we are allowing Christ in these crises of life, when we're allowing Him to be for us, everything that He has promised to be. Then, uh, then the people and circumstances in our world don't control us. Rather, we're interpreting them through the lens of not only God's provision for us uh, temporally, but uh, for eternity. Yeah. You know, and when we have those kinds of conversations with parents, sometimes uh, parents will accuse you of being stoic. Well, you're being stoic, mm -hmm. you know. <laughs> I don't care what you do. I'm going to be okay anyway. It's not that at all. Yeah, you yeah. know, there's nothing wrong with us being heartbroken when our children turn away from God or make lifestyle choices that are wrong. Uh, sure, we're going to be heartbroken. We're going to be sad. We're going to grieve. We're going to cry. It's, it's going to break our heart. There's nothing wrong with being disappointed when something that I desire and long for that is good doesn't come to fruition. But when I'm devastated and I feel like if I can't have that thing I desire, then I can't go on. Mm. Then I've made a God. Of it. And, and that th there's a difference because we're not suggesting that, oh, you know, God's, you know, I'm just going to hold on to God. I don't care what happens to my kids. No, I'm going to care deeply. I will carry the sorrow of that to my grave if they never repent. I, I know I have to know God in, in this. And I think that's the... Yeah, and I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of people deepen in the relationship with Christ through this. Uh, and you know, your yeah. your comment about humility it does humble you, and as you're humbled, you lean on Christ a lot more. One thing I was at a church in Wisconsin this last weekend for or two weeks or last week for a wedding, and it's a church I had served as an associate pastor, and it's amazing the conversations with. Uh, friends of ours who now have adult children who are going through this. And one, one lady has, has uh, started a support group of, uh, of women who are going through this. And I, I thought that was a great suggestion is to find yeah. other people that uh, you're not alone. And, 
and, and yes. you, you can find encouragement from others and also strategy, you know, like reading this book together, you know, have a little, uh, and I actually recommended this to them that they could, you know, read this book, uh, and talk about it. And that could be a, a tremendous resource. Um, well, we're going to wrap up here. This has been a, a amazing conversation. Uh, any, any final thoughts as we, uh, as we close out? I think probably the, the, a uh, point that I'm trying to make in the book that is probably of the greatest importance is that our prayer life, our uh, spiritual preparation for living in our homes with our children will powerfully impact the way we maintain relationship with our children so we don't get into broken relationships. Yeah. 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 But it also is the only means the only route to uh, to resolving broken relationships with our teenage and adult children, and it's both satisfying because mm. it's it's heaven driven because it's driven by the work of the Spirit of God in us, and it also is the most powerful message that we can bring to children who have strayed. Uh, straight from us and straight yeah. from the faith. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, I want to encourage you that you you tried to communicate that point. You accomplished in communicating that. That was uh, it was it was well, so thank you, Lord. Thank clear. You. Yeah, Amen. thanks for this conversation too. It's always you know uh, iron sharpens iron. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, some of your questions uh, have been very stimulating and thoughtful, and we appreciate that so much because it uh, it just helps and. So thank you so much. Yeah, for. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I know a lot of people will be encouraged by this and, and thank you for just the wonderful way that you interacted with me around these questions. And yeah, if I could, if I could just uh, help people with finding resources, uh, certainly it's not too late can be found on Amazon. That's the most common book source, or you could find it at shepherdpress.com. S H E P H E R D press. Okay.com. Uh, and you have a website as well for uh, your ministry? Our website for our ministry is shepherdingtheheart.org, shepherdingtheheart.org. And that's, uh, there are resources there, uh, a place, a tab for resources there too, as well. Okay. So I'll just, make those available on, on my website and uh, send you a link as well. But uh, th hey, thank you so much uh, for, for your thank time. You. Lord, thank be you. with you. Thank you. Bye-bye now. there you have it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Before You Quit podcast. If you have any questions or comments about anything we've talked about today uh, or on any other episodes, you can email me at mitch at beforeyouquit.us. And check out our website. That's where you can find all these podcasts, uh, www.beforeyouquit.us. So until next time, stay encouraged and be courageous because serving Jesus is worth all of that hard stuff that comes with it. And remember what we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So until next time, stay encouraged. <laughs>